0: Here, on the third floor of Greenwich Village Townhouse, is a room that Dr. Stephen Strange calls his Chamber of Shadows. It's not the sort of place you'd expect to find the home of a New York City doctor, but then Strange is no ordinary physician. Years ago, he gave up medicine for the practice of sorcery, but even as a master of the mystic arts, he still sees patients. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host
1: Drew, and welcome to the 30th episode of Stranger by the Dozen the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts,
0: six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? It is going great. I'm over here having a silent celebration, I nailed that intro in the first try. All right!
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, as everyone knows, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. You can contact the podcast at StrangerByTheDozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at StrangerByThe12, that's StrangerByThe1, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for StrangerByTheDozen, or also on our uh, podcast network site, Cradeline.com. So fancy, so networked. It's something. So (laughs) this week we're picking up where we left off in our last episode, where... We're basically investigating the apparent death of Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman. She had previously died and had her, or not died, sorry, her spirit had been trapped in an alternate reality while her body was in a coma, and she'd had her magic friend, like, make everyone forget that she ever existed.
0: Which is a real bummer. Like, last time that happened to me, it just ruined my life. Well, I mean, you do it because you don't have a life or whatever, because you're dying or whatever but
1: I think we talked about it on the last episode that it's just not the best course of action for if that happens to you instead you should be more like hey instead of having my friends forget about me I should remember that my friends are the Avengers and they could actually probably help me in this situation which is yeah?
0: Doesn't one of those guys have like you know piles and piles
1: and piles of money? Yeah, they have. They've got money. They've at least you know several of them have a guy who deals in spirits trapped in the alternate dimension, aka Doctor Strange, on their rolodex. You know, I'm just saying that you know they know people. They'd be like they could take care of this yeah. kind of thing. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help when your spirit is trapped in an alternate dimension and your body's stuck in a coma, or even before then. You know, that's. That's the that's the, the more you know method uh, message for this episode of uh, Stranger <laughs> by the Dozen. Knowing is half the battle. Anyhow, let's, let's go to Avengers 241 from March 1984. Dark Angel, Roger Stern scripter, Ann Nesenti story consultant, Al Milgram breakdowns, Joe Sinnott and Andy, Mushinsky finishers, Jim Novak letterer, Christy Shield colorist, Mark Grunwald editor, Jim Shooter editor in chief. So okay. We finished up last episode basically with Dr. Strange sort of magicking around and the spirit of Spider-Woman appearing above Jessica Drew's body, but then apparently it's also being used by Morgan Le Fay to bring the evil Morgan Le Fay's body into our world incarnated in the body of Jessica Drew. It's a big problem. Which- which, yeah, it's
0: going to be all kinds of problems. That, it's just bad all around.
1: Yeah. The uh, the hospital room sealed by a force field that only cool members of the Avengers can enter. And they sort of all converse. They yell at Morgan Le Fay for doing what she's done. They sort of recap everything. And basically, as Doctor Strange struggles to keep uh, Jessica Drew's spirit alive and ent- and trying to jam it into her body... The rest of the Avengers enter the Astral Plane to fight big giant Morgan Le Fay, who's being a big jerk.
0: It's, a, it's the standard
1: story, as we've always known.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's go fight the giant version of Morgan Le Fay in some evil dimension. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Same standard. Meanwhile,
1: there's sort of other, st- other stuff happens. I think they're sort of setting up a uh, the vision is evil and can't be trusted type subplot in Avengers Mansion, as they always do. And
0: oh, I have a feeling they've done that one before, or they will again somewhere. Always, <laughs>
1: essential, always essential to the Vision is that he's a robot, and you can't trust him, and there's weird stuff going on. But, any, eventually, you know, there's a bunch of big fight stuff. A bunch of big, like, oh, she's controlling the universes and things like that. But, eventually uh Sp- spider woman's uh friend in the astral plane Magus, who used to be morgan Le Fay's apprentice sacrifices himself allowing jessica drew's spirit to return to his body to her body and morgan lefay to be defeated it's pretty awesome the pro- so jessica drew is being reincarnated she's back alive unfortunately she's lost all of her superpowers she's just a lady oh so it's oh, a bummer, a bummer. <laughs> yeah yeah, i mean this seemed like a super overkill like i was reading some things about this issue and they sort of talked about how like they sort of ended the spider woman story but the way they did it is sort of seen as like super overkill like you didn't have to like completely destroy her and then bring you bring her back to depower her and stuff if you yeah. didn't want a spider woman you could have just rebranded her instead of you know destroying her character completely <laughs> yeah totally but you know she'll be back eventually yeah it's good times <laughs> So, well, yeah. with one thing and another, a new era beckons, and Doctor Strange sort of looks on in the background, and he's like, hey, I helped, although mostly it was by standing around, holding my arms up, doing magic power stuff. Such is the life of Doctor Strange. I mean, he's just... He's there to, you know,
0: be that guy. Yeah, he
1: kind of does magic stuff. That's kind of how it does, how it goes. Yeah. He's a general-purpose magic dude. GPMD, Doctor Strange.
0: I, I mean, especially in, a, in an Avengers book where they, you know, they have Scarlet Witch and other it's true magic like, people.
1: yeah there's some yeah we're gonna see that a little bit actually um next next episode when we have both scarlet witch and uh x-men magic character uh magic magick or whatever <laughs> uh, yes uh, so ma- magic get into crazy uh magical uh, escapades but anyhow <laughs> let's move on to dr strange number 64 from april 1984 art rage uh, Anne Nisenti's story, Tony Salmons' art, Joe Rosen letters, Bob Sharon colors, Carl Potts editor, Jim Shooter editor in chief. This is kind of an interesting story, I guess, just because for the most part, all the Doctor Strange stories we've been reading recently have been ri- have been written by Roger Stern. This is sort of a one-issue jump in by Anne Nesenti, and she's done a lot of writing for like New Mutants and other sort of X-Men uh, stories. So it's interesting to see her writing Doctor Strange. She sort of has a a different take on, like, the home life and goings-on of Doctor Strange than um, Roger Stern does at this point, you know? Ah, okay. So, like, we see Doctor Strange, like, preparing herbs in his kitchen. A uh, A beautiful blonde lady comes into the house and tries to, like, seduce him into helping her or something. And we get a lot of, like... Of him like talking to her and, uh, and uh, Wong being very incredulous about this lady uh, charming him and stuff. It's like, trust the master. This is not what it seems and stuff like that.
0: Everything is fine. Wong, well, get my overnight bag. Uh, okay. No, maybe it is what it seems. <laughs> but so this lady
1: who's been trying to seduce Doctor Strange reveals herself to be... Um, she's like the daughter of a famous artist. And apparently the um, his, her father has been haunted or something recently and she needs Doctor Strange's help. So he sort of agrees mostly because he's actually a big fan of the artist. He kind of like says like, hey, your feminine wiles won't work on me. And she's actually got a really rich inner, like we get a lot of her thought bubbles that are like, you know, maybe he doesn't like girls. And later like he'd be cute if he got rid of the mustache and stuff. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> We we sort of cut to the um, to her father's house. And we see this sort of old guy with wild hair. He loses his glasses, and or he loses glasses. and Then some little miniature like demon-looking things, like tiny demons, like move them so that he he sits on them and breaks them and stuff. These are the worst kind of demons, really. They're jerk demons. It's the you know it's real bad. But we go like to his, of, oh good, demons of a mild inconvenience. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, so they go to his to the artist's um, stately manner and it's really super like um, uh, a mash of different um, art, uh, like architectural styles. It looks really cool, but it's all really like over the top. We meet the artist himself, and we finally get a look at him. He's basically like sort of an, an aged uh, Salvador Dali type with. The upturned mustache and wild hair and stuff like that. Yeah. Who seems very like I guess he's still working, but he seems very like scattered and has difficulty communicating, kind of talks in like funny rhymes or something like that. So Doctor Strange is, is immediately suspicious, but instead of jumping into action Steady like builds and said he and the, uh, and the daughter, like, s- build a fire in the fireplace and sit looking at it as Doctor Strange, um, like, basically hypnotizes her and gets the lowdown on the story. Like, apparently the daughter, um, Adrienne was jealous of her father's, uh, second wife, like, her stepmother, and sabotaged her car so that it would, um, crash and she die. And she's really guilty about it, but she was ge- but she was jealous because it seemed like she was like the stepmother was like she was both his muse and she was like sucking all the life out of her father. So she was like, "I got to do something about this," and so she sort of inadvertently killed her. And she's really oh. like um, sad about it, and s- or like you know guilty about it, I guess. And as Doctor Strange starts to uh, be incredulous, like maybe these guys are just sort of you know usual. Like, I don't know, daughter, st- father, stepmother kind of situations. <laughs> he re- then realize that there's also something very, very wrong here, as suddenly a whole horde of crazy, tiny demon monsters appear and surround them all. Doctor Strange starts, like, casting magic spells to get rid of them. Um, I don't, I really don't like Anacenti's spells if just because they don't rhyme, I guess?
0: Yeah, they're kind of just like, you know... Calling upon various uh, things of power, and it's like saying, "Hey, just do the things that I want to do." Yeah, but like I don't know, like I and like one it when the tides of icon, icon by yeah. the power of my mentor, this containment spell shall hold holds all at bay, and there all manner of beings will stay. Okay, I guess "bay" and "stay" is kind of ramming, yeah, but, but icon and mentor
1: don't like that's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's kind of rough. Yeah, so there's all these crazy like tiny ridiculous demons all over the place they're sort of hiding in corners but dr strange you definitely see them one flies up to him and like doffs his hat and makes dr strange start laughing uncontrollably another like and another makes him uh imagine back to being like a child and he like starts to lose his hold on reality until finally uh and then lose your hold of reality and then start to die, actually? Until Oh wow. The girl Adrienne does the um does what? Uh uh closed uh two double fist chest compressions? The um, you know, don't you die on me style ultra CPR from um <laughs> movies and TV and stuff. Dude, that's how you crush a rib cage, man. Yeah. Well Doctor Strange is pretty well no, actually he's not, but we'll see. Maybe his rib cage is tougher than his head, as we'll see later on in the comics this month, or or this episode. Um, (laughs) But he kind of summons the Orva of Agamotto, starts walking through the house, dispelling these demons, and he finds out that they're being written and created by this artist. He, like, Doctor Strange confronts him, the artist starts blasting him with his pen and stuff. And eventually, Doctor Strange does a huge exorcism. And frees the spirit, the evil, like a uh, spirit of the ex, of the step, sorry, of the second wife from the artist's head, and he escapes, and she escapes with all of the um, tiny demons and stuff.
0: So de- just, does that mean that the the second wife was actually a demon? Yes. Oh. So okay. T- be don't be skeptical about. So I guess the second thing is, hey.
1: Uh, kids, if your step parent uh, is uh, is not cool to you, they might actually be a demon. So go with your gut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a very good lesson to be teaching her, man.
1: <laughs> with the demon banished, the artist passes out, and Doctor Strange says that um, while she's gone and he's no longer haunted, with her, she took all the last of his artistic uh, talent. He may never create such work of genius again. Because with genius, because I've cured him of his madness. And as madness goes, so goes genius. That's rough. You know, sometimes these stories are downers. Oh, this is not as yeah. big a downer as the one last episode, which was a ridiculous downer. This oh, is more dude, sort, of I... a, sort of a makes you think about the nature of artistry and stuff like that. As opposed to, like, oh my gosh, like now I just feel bad about humanity kind of thing.
0: Dude, that, that story last episode is still bumming me out. It's, it's, oh, man. it's real bad. Oh.
1: But let's jump ahead to our next story from Rom54 from June 1984. The Blood Trail. Conrad. Yeah. Conrad, yeah. what is Rom? Okay, let me do these credits, and then I'm going to fill you in on Rom, buddy. All right. The Blood Trail. Bill Mantlo writer, Sal Busema, Mel Candido, and Kelly Jones artists, Janice Chiang letterer, Ben Sean colorist, Ralph Macchio editor, Jim Shooter editor-in-chief. Okay, so Rom. Yeah? <laughs> We've actually hung out with Rom once or twice before in the podcast. He is a toy line from the 1980s that Marvel has a licensed comic book about that's surprising to hear no it's not (laughs) he's like you know a robot dude he's got a bunch of other buddies that are robot dudes they fight these monsters called dire wraiths and they kind of you know have some and but, but but eventually as we entered sort of the middle of the 80s like 1984 like we are here i feel like the toy line had almost been discontinued at this point and oh ram instead becomes this this um unusual entry into other into weird parts of the marvel universe essentially huh but basically he's a robot dude he fights ghosts you know that's sort of long and the short of it okay he's he's recently crossed over with the x-men and stuff right now he's crossing over with shield and that's how this comic sort of begins and i'm just you know we can just do this one fairly quick but i think it's really funny do you remember back in like strange tales days like in the early episodes of this comic there were a bunch of um like shield psychic stuff
0: oh right when they had like that weird psychic program
1: yeah and they had like a big psychic helmets and like just a couple people sort
0: of uh it was strapped. like a lady an old man and like a kid or something yeah and they were
1: all strapped into a chair and like powering like a psychic ability thing
0: yeah, yeah, I remember that. So
1: this um, this rom space, I think, shows that ESP technology in Shield has not advanced that far from the 1960s, as we have sort of Shield dudes wandering these sewers in one of those giant, like Jack Kirby-inspired, um, like psychic helmets. <laughs> like it's exactly the same as like 1965 or something like that. Man, but like, like they're anyway. would- advance a little bit you over. really would it's been 20 years but yeah nope <laughs> so right. it looks like um rom has teamed up with shield and they're fighting all fighting dire wraiths and crazy monsters in the sewers of atlanta uh mean, meanwhile at the same time um in a nearby hospital your friend and mine rick jones oh no why who, conrad why who we'll remember as the plucky teen sidekick of about 80% of the Marvel universe uh, is um coming in to like get some medical checkups and stuff.
0: Not sure if my was, exasperated sigh was enough, but just, you know, uh. he was Hulk's first.
1: He was, he, he hung out with Hulk when he's the, he's the kid that Bruce Banner saved um and was, and was radiated himself when he became the Hulk. And then he was Bucky for a little while, and then he was sort of a newsboy legion kind of setup thing for the original Avengers. He was he was buddy with he was he was also buddies with Captain Marvel who has recently died of cancer like in the first Marvel graphic novel thing. And so he's getting a checkup and whatever. This is all rom stuff. It doesn't really matter for us. All right. <laughs> but basically On the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, they're doing doing Psy stuff. They're trying to find more uh, dire wraiths. Dr. Strange shows up and is like, Hey, guys, I'm Dr. Strange. I'll help you find some dire wraiths. And it's good times. We end with the dire wraiths um, assaulting the blood bank of the same hospital in Atlanta that Rick Jones is in. And there's some cool pictures, like, there were some cool pictures at the start of this comic about um, the diorates in the sewers, like, being all bloodthirsty. And now there's another one of them in the blood bank, like, drinking huge bags of blood and stuff. Yeah. And of Rick Jones getting, uh, who, who's apparently about to go through dialysis to avoid any sort of uh, radiation-based health complications, about to get dialysized with a bunch of blood that's full of diorates. <laughs> And
0: that's sort of the cliffhanger at the end of this episode. Can I just say how quickly, uh, uh, how refreshing it is to see Nick Fury and Doctor Strange in the same comic book? (laughs) It's fun, man. They, like, uh, hang out and talk to each other and stuff. It's pretty neat. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, they barely know each other. Or, no, I'm sorry. Actually, uh, Fury barely knows Doctor Strange. (laughs) Because... (laughs) I think I think almost one hundred percent of the times they've met, um,
0: uh, Doctor Strange has wiped Nick Fury's memory. <laughs> it Which is so re- it's so refreshing because like Doctor Strange is like, oh hey Nick and like, Nick Fury's like, who? Yeah,
1: what? well the, this time he was hired on as a as a consulting doctor. So he's like, hey, I'm going to help you. And then uh, if you need help, if you need more help, just give me a call. And he walks off. You know it'd be hilarious. What? If Doctor Strange wiped his mind, he's going out the door. I think the problem is that he's actually, like, billing hours this time, so he can't mind-wipe everybody, because then they'll be like, well, why are we paying this guy? He didn't do anything, you know? (laughs) <laughs> like sarah wolf was yelling at him about like billing hours correctly and stuff
0: like that you can't you can't collect we can't we can't collect payment if you mind wipe everybody dr strange steven stop mind wiping people we can't we can't bill for hours
1: if just for the bottom line you got to tell the tax people something about where well, you're getting all these gold bars you're paying your property taxes with <laughs> <laughs> He's just just doing it to launder all of his magically created money. You know, that's kind of how it goes. (laughs) But you're sort of Supreme, I guess. (laughs) All right. Anyhow, Uh, let's move right along to Doctor Strange 65 from June 1984. Charlatan of Roger Stern, Paul Smith, Masterwork, Jim Novak, Letterer, Bob Sharon, Colorist, Carl Potts, Editor, Jim Shooter, Editor, Supreme.
0: Ooh, so fancy.
1: Yeah. So we sort of open up with this mystic dude, I want to say, <laughs> uh named Kerwin Havelock, who you know, kind of casts some magic spells and zaps people around and stuff. And is pretty clearly pretty clearly like doing it to get like patronage and like there's rich guys giving him money and stuff like that. Watching his performance is Uh, Morgana Blessing, Dr. Strange's girlfriend, you know? Yeah. And she's like, she's in a weird spot because normally she'd be 100% skeptical, but now that she's dating the Sorcerer Supreme, she's kind of only half skeptical. (laughs) So She's
0: like, maybe this
1: guy could be like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, this guy's kind of, you know, (laughs) Kerwin kind of has some magic words and does some stuff. He's got a bunch of, um, he's got like a pair of guard guys who are dressed like Toad from Super Mario Brothers.
0: Yeah, it's totally Toad from Super Mario Brothers 2, very specifically. Shirtless purple
1: vests and white turbans.
0: Yeah. But after everybody walks out the door, it's quickly revealed that
1: in fact, Kerwin is a total fraud. He's got a bunch of like lasers and electricity things inside his cloak, and he's just trying to fleece everybody from their money. Magic words, what a, notwithstanding. What a jerk! Yeah. Meanwhile, back this at the San, at the uh, sanctum sanctorum, we actually get some pretty cool, cool sorcerer supreme stuff. Or actually, not, sorry. Meanwhile, in another dimension, we get some pretty cool uh, Doctor Strange being sorcerer supreme stuff. Like, there's an alternate dimension where some dude with a big monster hat, like it's a it's a cowl that's basically the head of a monster, and like his face comes out of the mouth of the monster. So it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And there's like a, a wizard dude standing behind yeah. him.
1: He and his wizard chum are about to open a gateway to Earth to conquer it with their uh, mystic abilities. And Doctor Strange shows up in like astral form and it's like, hey, like I'm the defender of
0: this reality and you guys get out of here. Uh, it's, it just kind of shows up and like, nah.
1: <laughs> yeah, well they say no. He's like, fine, taste the crimson bands of Sidorak, jerk. And They're like, okay, fine. We'll leave you alone for now. But I think it's, I don't know, I like these little, th- I like little moments where it's like, yeah, he's Sorcerer Supreme, he's doing stuff every day to ensure the safety of our reality, you know? He is totally protecting this this realm. Yeah. So, Morgana Blessing shows up and it's like, hey, I saw this magical dude, like, you might be interested in seeing him. During the time he uh, ca- called an incantation to Poldoc to uh, m- m- power his magic. And Dr. Strange is like Paul doc. Like I know that show on a uh, PBS. <laughs> like that you can <laughs> You can't uh, call it a that guy. It's full of uh, sexy 18th century romance stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Paul Dark, but still. <laughs> oh, right, right. Important distinction. I mean, it was it was big on PBS at this time, so I'm pretty sure that Roger Stern just sort of heard the name and was like, "Oh, I can use that." But <laughs> So, Doctor Strange decides to go and investigate this Kerwin guy's um, claims and stuff like that. As he sort of shows up at his house, magics his way in, you know, in, like, street clothes, he starts talking to Kerwin and gets the lowdown, how Kerwin, like, dabbled in the mystic arts, or where he was, like, in Southeast Asia, and he barely survived, and a witch cursed him, (laughs) and he had a dream about Poldark. And there was a bunch of gibberish, and like since then he came back and he decided to use hey. some of the uh, some of the some of the words he used in Indonesia like to as the basis of his uh, mystic guru um, act essentially. And Doctor Strange is like, so you've been saying this what you think of as mystical gibberish for like how long? And he's like, ah, four or five times a week over the last ten years. And Doctor Strange it's is like, nothing. it's it's no big deal. <laughs> Doctor Strange is like, good lord, you've been like summoning a demon <laughs> for the last ten years, dude. But before he can do anything about it, he, and or like warn the guy, really, one of uh, Kerwin's like henchmen basically clocks Doctor Strange over the head with a paperweight, and Which they is just it's all bad. It's rough. Yeah, well, it's super bad because. And suddenly, we've decided to become realistic in the Doctor Strange comic. Doctor Strange gets a concussion, like wait, what? He uh, he's bleeding from the head. He loses the ability to like do magic. Like his head just he uh, he becomes disoriented and he uh, loses like his equilibrium. He can't cast spells or anything like that. He basically just throws himself out the window and relies on his cloak of levitation to sort of like drag him home. Is this like the mystic version of Vertigo? Something, I guess. It's like it's really like messed him up, you know. (laughs) Which you never see in in comic books. You know, most your average superhero gets clonked over the head a fair amount. You know. Yeah. It doesn't have any lasting effects, but Doctor Strange is now pretty messed up, and so. Like, Sarah Wolf drags him, like, he sort of lands on the roof, he sort of co onto the roof of the Sanctum Sanctorum, and Sarah Wolf drags him down into, like, the, um, into the Sanctum, and he's like, Oh, I gotta figure something out, but I must rest, because my head is, like, making it very hard for me to do anything at all. Which, I don't know, it's an interesting characterization of this guy that's not sort of the standard superhero thing,
0: you know what I mean? yeah. No, like, so then, superhero gets, like, beat around for a bit, kind of mopes for a bit, and then, you know, goes and saves the day. This is a little bit more serious than that.
1: Yeah, whereas, you know, this time it's just like, yeah, no, he's a, uh, he can't do stuff, man. he <laughs> got hit on the head. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like straight up got a concussion. Yeah. Jeez. Oh,
1: so later that night, so the next night at this rich guy's house who's uh, supporting Kerwin, Morgana Blessing shows up with her dad, who's this kind of short beard guy. was like talk, you know also a rich guy and sort of talking about how um you know just his interest to see the uh the magician and all that stuff and as Morgana takes him aside and is like hey you're you're laying a little thick aren't you but and it turns out that he's that it's not actually her dad it's Stephen Strange pretending to be her dad like magically (laughs) and apparently he's barely keeping it together keeping his this a disguise spell together um um through his concussion, and as Kerwin comes out and begins to cast the spell once more, Doctor Strange runs out to stop him and the spell just fails completely. And he starts yelling at him, actually kinda of moon nighty, where he's like,
0: you know, you'll curse us all if you cast this spell. Oh <laughs> you're man. Cursed. I love this I love this kind of strange. It's like
1: you're cursed <laughs> Yeah. You're dealing with forces beyond your command. In the name of humanity, don't invert invoke And Kerwin's like, hear that, faithful ones he fears the truth my magic reveals, but I will not be denied. <laughs> and then he he Kerwin casts his spell, and yep, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Big old uh, uh big that's, that's old big gateway opens right behind him. Yeah, big old gateway open behind him. Tons of demons and tentacles and all kinds of craziness comes comes pouring out of the uh, of the gateway and attacking everybody and all that stuff. Doctor Strange oh finally, through his concussion, manages because he's j- there just in time, I suppose. Manages to throw all the demons back with some cool, with some sweet magic stuff, you know. Uh, yep. Hear me now, O wise Vishanti, grant my plea for strength anew, that I might save all innocence from this unholy crew. All That's right. some good rhyming right there. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and he manages to f- banish the demons back. So good times with the demons defeated. It's time for your standard Doctor Strange wrap up. He uh mind wipes everybody except for for Morgana in the uh in the house but also and I like this one drew he also doesn't mind wipe Kerwin he uh he keeps him he lets him keep the memories of all the stuff that he's done and how he accidentally summoned a demon and stuff he just magically prevents him from saying the evil magic words again and that's like his punishment for being a jerk and giving Doctor Strange a concussion, like you can live with all with what you've done, you almost destroyed the Earth, you
0: mustachio jerk. <laughs> Man, that's that's kind of cold on uh, Doctor Strange's part there.
1: Yeah, but I like the tactical use of the brainwashing instead of just the general brainwashing. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it, I, yeah, it does kind of create that whole thing of like. You'll never be able to tell anybody about this because they're all going to think you're crazy.
1: Yeah, and you just have to live with it, Doomcough or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to uh, Doctor Strange 66 from August 1984. The Chosen One Roger Stern, writer, Paul Smith, artist, Terry Austin, inker, Jim Novak, letterer, Bob Sharon, colorist, Carl Potts, editor,
0: Jim Shooter, editor supreme once more. Wow, Jim Shooter, that's a really big loft to tell you're giving yourself there. I mean,
1: is Supreme that much different than, than In-Chief? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, this one starts, like, in the middle of things, with Doctor Strange swooping in to a country club in Long Island. <laughs> He's been asked by a trio of monks to find the reincarnation of their High Llama, which has always usually been found... Um, in their country and i don't know they don't say where but you know i'd imagine tibet or similar places but then now they need to find but apparently the Lama has now been reincarnated elsewhere and they've come to dr strange for help dr strange uses the uh, orb of agamato and it turns out that he's uh, in long island the map where yeah you know it's pretty good the map like the, the the orb shows a map that's a really zoomed in picture of like that part of New York but it's on a globe so it looks like it's just sort of gobbledygook lo- lo- locations it's kind of a funny <laughs> thing but so Dr. Strange swoops into the uh, sun-blessed golf course and country club where he immediately changes into civilian clothes and goes to play golf with Morgana Blessing's dad <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he starts off playing real good and he realizes that, he's been subcon- that he, he was subconsciously magicing the ball and so he decides to, uh, all right, I'll try, try to play this one straight, I guess. As he plays through the game, he meets a uh, random dude on the golf course who I think is, like, a caddy or some other kind of uh, golf course dude.
0: <laughs> and it turns out that this is, in fact, the reincarnated llama. He can tell. Well, because, like, he can see the uh, eye of Agamoto when it's being disguised. Right. Yeah, so Doctor Strange re it and then is like, hey, okay, uh, and then actually kind of
1: creepily, like, can I talk to you about your future, young man (laughs) I just met? (laughs) Like, this looks weird from the outside. Meanwhile, and he also, uh, as he sort of heads off to talk to this guy about, um, have a private conversation with this young man he's just met, I don't know, (laughs) he's also called the Sanctum Sanctorum and told the llamas, like, hey, I found... You are a reincarnated llama, so come. Or he tells the priests, "I found your reincarnated llama. Come down and check him out." So they get in their in their uh, rented Rolls Royce and drive over. <laughs> Meanwhile, their job done, uh, Sarah Wolf actually asks out Wong. Like she's been sort of like mooning over Wong for like the last for a couple issues, and she finally is like, "Hey Wong, like how about you, how about you you and me go out on a date?" And Doctor and uh, Wong's like, "I can't." Because I have to take care of Dr. Strange, and that leaves no room in my life for dating or whatever, which I say I think that, I think you could find time if you really wanted to, Wong.
0: you know. Yeah, Wong. man, you got to make time for these kind of things.
1: He's not that busy. And she's a lawyer, man, what do you want? Anyhow. So in this guy's house, like a, a studio apartment above a barn at the, uh, at the golf course, Dr. Strange sort of walks around and looks at this guy, at the blonde guy's stuff. Dr. Strange, um, so he sort of questions him. He, like, you know, looks at his library, finds a bunch of stuff that sort of seems like it's, um, it could very easily be, like, that sort of points to him being sort of spiritually aware and maybe, like, some kind of reincarnated llama, almost. <laughs> Right. He he gives the uh, he he gives the guy Doctor Strange gives the guy the uh, the the amulet of Agamotto, and he's able to like open it up and like get the and like Cdi inside of it and stuff. And they're interrupted in this by the a knock on the door, and his uh, pizza has been delivered a hot and gooey eggplant pizza with extra cheese, Ugh. which sounds pretty bad. <laughs>
0: it sounds but, really bad yeah
1: and he's always and uh he pays for it or sorry after he pays it turns out that the price of extra cheese went up an, an extra 74 cents and he reaches into his pocket and he's got exactly 74 cents in his pocket which always seems to happen because he's the reincarnated llama guys <laughs> i don't know <laughs> as um so well with one thing and another the uh three priest guys show up they sort of do the uh, the llama tests, I guess. Of um, they sort of show him like some items, and he identifies them as like he d- he identifies some of them as as items that, that were his or that used to be you know that used used to be the llamas. Now he's his that now they're his. He somehow knows the name of all of the of all the monks that, that have come to test him and stuff. And it seems like pretty solid, like llama identification things. (laughs) Oh, that seems pretty good. Yeah, but as this is going on, a mysterious figure appears in the trees with a bow and arrow, and he's out to kill. He shoots an arrow through the window that would have killed the llama, the uh, the the uh, blonde kid, but instead it destroys a mirror that his reflection was was in, and Doctor Strange crashes out to hunt this assassin down. As Dr. Do- Strange takes out the assassin who turns out to be a young monk who's come and sort of can't believe that a Westerner would be a reincarnated version of the Lama, one of the priests has a similar idea and he stabs the other monks and says like, you can't be the reincarnated Lama, you're a Westerner, so I'm just, I'll, even though you've passed our tests, I'll kill you too and then you'll be reincarnated correctly, which I don't know if that, that's how it works, but fair enough. Um Oh man, it's, it's still really messed up though. Yeah. As Doctor Strange confronts him and tries to talk him and talk the the monk down, the llama sudden the uh the blonde the American guy suddenly incarnates as the llama. He gets like super po super he basically goes Super Saiyan, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he's all like bright and yellow and glowy. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the older monk disappear uh, runs away he throws the knife at the uh, at the blonde guy Dr. Strange catches it with the cloak of levitation, which is pretty sweet and you know the two of them run or the other uh, monk guy runs he get he confront he's confronted by the uh, young monk with the bow and arrow who almost kills him as well and things are very fraught until finally the guy who's the reincarnated llama shows up and is like, listen like you know." I'm mostly, you know, I reincarnated as a, it is me, I've reincarnated a Westerner because we have to expand our ministry and learn more about the future and there's no better way to do it than me being reincarnated as a Westerner and growing up in the Western world and now I have, now that I've recovered my, my, uh, my knowledge of my true self, it's time for us to go back to the East and get back to Lama business. And that seems to, I don't know, man, Maybe his magnanimous lameness has allowed him to convince everybody this is a cool idea because they end up like crying and asking for forgiveness and stuff and it works out and everything works out okay. The comic ends with the lama and the rest of the monks getting on a plane back to Tibet and as he does he said, you know, we see that that he's loading a satellite dish onto the TV because the first thing on his agenda is to first thing on his agenda is to introduce the enlightenment of cable tv and pizza with extra cheese
0: better not be another eggplant pizza because
1: i don't know man they're probably vegan out there so i wouldn't be imagined you know maybe it has like yak
0: on it or something
1: i don't know if they eat for pizza in tibet (laughs) i assume i assume they do though because i'm an american
0: (laughs) well yeah because you know being an american you assume that everyone else eats the same food you do i mean why wouldn't they yeah it's the best food there is Woo, America! <laughs> <laughs> and so we
1: finish up with dr strange number 67 from october 1984 private eyes roger stern words steve layola art rick parker letters bob sharon colors carl potts advice jim shooter vision so this is one of, so this is like a uh A three-part kind of loose ends issue of Doctor Strange. We have these every like five or six issues. It 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 seems like that's sort of. This one has three parts. The first one is pretty quick. It's just an update on uh, Jessica Drew. Like this is um you know the Avengers. She 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 sort of returned the Avengers action was seven months before this issue. Just because we go very fast with these Doctor Stranges because they're every other month. You know. Right. So we go just and see her in San Francisco uh doing private eye stuff, which is pretty cool. That's neat. She she takes down some dudes, uh West Coast Avengers member uh the Shroud sort of shows up and the two of them flirt and it's good times. Meanwhile, um we also kind of get an update as Sarah Wolf kind of yells at Wong about why he won't date her and he's like I can't do it and she's like come on, jerk. <laughs> then we uh Cut also to the dark dimension, where Klaya's rebellion against Umar is going pretty well, or it seems to be. I don't know. There's sort of one rebellion member sort of messes with Asti, the fly, the fly, uh, flying face that's a henchman for both Umar and uh, Dormammu back in the day. And then we see him sort of mess with Asti, then run back to the lair of the of the mindless ones, where the uh, re- rebellion base is. Clay is apparently using. Earth pop culture as the code words and stuff like the code word to get into rebellion hq was uh it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood nice <laughs> but she seems to be i don't know things seem to be running pretty well or at least like she's got some ideas about how to take down umar and stuff
0: oh uh, she seems pretty upbeat yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and so we end up with a, basically a reunion with the guys from the montessi formula adventure you know when we destroyed all the vampires Right, right. But uh, all the vampires got what was coming to them. Yeah, Frank Drake, uh, Blade, Hannibal King, those guys. There's sort of been some, been some peep, been some like recent deaths in uh, around that seem to point towards more vampire stuff or more people doing stuff with the dark hold, basically. So we end up following these these dark holders back to their lair, where it turns out they're opening a gateway to try to summon more vampires into the earth. Um, oh man, we just we just got rid of all those vampires. You know, ow. as soon as you get rid of them, someone's always trying to bring them back. It's like bell-bottoms, you know? But, Ugh. <laughs> shots fired at bell-bottoms. But, um, Dang.
0: <laughs> that, that's hot takes.
1: Yeah, but our guys managed to sort of almost foil the... Uh, ritual to bring back the vampires eventually you know it ends with the final cultist like killing himself to bring the vampires forth and it's like some kind of crazy blue like death monster essentially and this is where we find out that in fact the part of the thing about the montessi formula is that not only did it destroy all of vampires on earth but it's also prevented any new vampires from coming to earth as soon as the mon- as soon as this monster kind of goes through the gate it immediately like starts dissolving and and being destroyed it's a permanent hold against vampires which is pretty sweet nice you'd basically have to recreate the entire vampire curse done by the Atlanteans by, by the uh, dark holders from ancient Atlantis to bring them back and no one's going to do that i mean come on i mean no at least happen. not for like like 10 more years <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile our guys just kind of it's weird because all these guys are sort of driven like fighters and stuff and now they're just sort of all wearing suits and like going out on the town or something like that I mean they,
0: their deal was fighting vampires and now they don't really have that anymore so what else are you going to do I guess so i, um, I if, if you're Frank Drake you eat a lot of uh, garlic bread because you're no longer a vampire Womp <laughs> oh I see what they did there <laughs>
1: And that's it for the comics this week. Next next time, enter the Black Knight. Woo. Yeah. So, what would you think the comics this week drew? Uh, it's all pretty good. Yeah, I thought there was a an, an interesting mixed bag, I guess.
0: Like I mean, after lo- after uh, last time, man, that was ugh.
1: Yeah, we've sort of had a bunch It's weird with these um with these every-other-month Doctor Stranges, because it means that six comics is a year, you know? So it yeah. kind of had had one year that was just fighting Dracula, and now a year of one-shots, essentially. Um, we're getting some interesting stuff with Doctor Strange, actually. And, and, and you know, I'm interested to see these one-shots, and sort of it's all updates, and then sort of little one-issue one stories. I forget what the next big storyline for Doctor Strange is, but hopefully it'll start up soon and things will get super awesome. All right. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. I'm down with it. So <laughs> if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook and Instagram at Stranger by the Dozen. Find us on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve. That's Stranger by the One Two and on our podcast network site at kradaline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images and quotes from the issue covered this week, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Stay tuned next week, as we'll have a series of Doctor Strange's team-up. team-ups. First, Doctor Strange will team up with the Avengers and basically every superhero it contained in New York City to take down the rampaging Incredible Hulk one last time. That's a lot of superheroes, by the way. Hey, then he'll also team up with every superhero in New York City as an evil uh, Co- Age of uh, Conan god guy, Kulan Gath, turns all of New York City into an age undreamed of. And there's awesome, just sort of D&D action, basically, going on. Doctor Strange turns into some kind of squid dude. A, face, a mouthless squid dude, for most of it. It's pretty ridiculous. Neat. Yeah. And then, in, doc, in, Doctor, in Solo Strange, the Black Knight is back. The Black Knight is going crazy. That's, that's the way I like my Black Knights. I mean, if there's worse ways to have Black Knights, I suppose. Yeah. Until then, faithful listeners, I say, worlds away, on the plains of Poldark, a horde of demonic creatures gather expectantly by the transdimensional warp, which, after ten years of unintended spells, is at last fully formed. But there is one man in this room, or in all the world, who stands a chance of stopping this unholy horde. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host, Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.